As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Victor Furman. Some call me The Voice. I've always been fascinated with human nature, spirituality, science, and the crossroads at which they meet. Join me now and we will explore these topics and so much more with fascinating guests, authors, and experts who will guide us to Destination Unlimited. When I grew up in the 1960s and 70s, there was a sense of rebirth and renewal in our country. Many of us started looking upon one another as brother and sister and embraced the ideas of sharing, caring, love, and peace. We lived these ideals as best as we could with the hope that future generations would equally embrace them. Somewhere along the way, we have strayed from that path. We have birthed a generation of divisiveness, ego-based action, and fear. Is there a way that we can return to the spirit of embracing diversity, caring for one another, and moving from fear to love? My guest this week on Destination Unlimited, Marianne Williamson, says there is. Marianne Williamson is an internationally acclaimed lecturer, activist, and author of four number one New York Times bestselling books. She's been one of America's most well-known public voices for more than three decades. Seven of her 12 published books have been New York Times bestsellers, and Marianne has been a popular guest on television programs such as Oprah, Good Morning America, and Bill Maher. A quote from her mega bestseller, Return to Love, said, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure, and it's considered an anthem for a contemporary generation of seekers. Marianne's other books include The Law of Divine Compassion, The Age of Miracles, Everyday Grace, A Woman's Worth, Illuminata, Healing the Soul of America, A Course in Weight Loss, The Gift of Change, Enchanted Love, A Year of Miracles, and Tears to Triumph, The Spiritual Journey from Suffering to Enlightenment. Her newest book, A Politics of Love, Handbook for a New American Revolution, will be published this year. 
Marianne is a native of Houston, Texas. In 1989, she founded Project Angel Food, a Meals on Wheels program that serves homebound people with AIDS in the Los Angeles area. To date, Project Angel Food has served over 11 million meals. Marianne also co-founded the Peace Alliance. She joins me to discuss her new book and her plans to explore a run to become the next president of the United States. It is my honor to welcome to Destination Unlimited, Marianne Williamson. Good evening, Marianne. Thank you so much for having me. So wonderful for you to join us and share your plans. Now, Marianne, please share with our listeners and readers who are meeting you for the first time about your early life and path. Well, when you were talking in your introduction about the fact that you grew up in the 60s and 70s, so did I. And I was impacted just as you were, uh, the flower child generation, you know, the hippie scene. But, you know, a young man said to me about a year ago at one of my lectures, he said, you know, you're just an aging hippie. Um, your generation was just about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And my response to him was, uh, that was just part of the day. I said, the rest of the day we stopped a war. And what have you done, by the way, you know? <laughs> Um, this was a generation, much as you referred to, which talked about all the things you were talking about. We would read Ram Dass and Alan Watts in the morning, but we would attend uh, anti-war protests in the afternoon. Um, I think a lot of people today, younger people certainly, can't really imagine perhaps what it meant when there was a draft. Uh, these wars were not just over there somewhere in a far-off part of the world fought by volunteers. They were fought by brothers and cousins and sons, fathers. Um, the issue of a war was far more urgent. So that's what I grew up with. I grew up in a time, as did you from what you were saying, when there was a very easy compatibility between what was a spiritual and philosophical expansion at that time, and also very, very potent and urgent sense of political activism. Absolutely. A Course in Miracles is the foundation of much of your work. How were you called to study it, and what led you to lecture and speak on these materials? I first saw A Course in Miracles on someone's coffee table in New York City in the 1970s. And I had already been ever since I was a teenager, very much interested in philosophical, spiritual pursuits, anything that had to do with the higher mind. And I have always been equally um, drawn to Eastern and Western traditional and esoteric traditions. None of them have ever seemed in conflict with any others to me. I have a very natural embrace of this comparative religious and spiritual um, variety that makes up the great spiritual and religious traditions of the world. However, until I found the Course in Miracles, <laughs> the issue of actually practicing these principles um, provided challenges that I had not been able to overcome. I'm not saying I've completely overcome them to this day. I'm not an enlightened master. But when I read The Course in Miracles, <clears throat> it was the first time where I got a sense of how these great and higher principles of universal spiritual truth were applicable on a practical basis. 
I before that I didn't understand that the search for God and the search for communion with other human beings was the same search. I didn't know that the spiritual path was basically my reaching out across the wall that I had constructed in my own mind that separated me from other human beings. So a course in miracles meant so much to me. Now the course, you know, it does not claim to be for everyone, but if it's for you, you know it. So for me, it was a very personal excitement, um, very personal passion. And also at that time, the kind of career that I have did not exist. There was no career niche. Uh, that now, you know, is a mainstream cultural impulse, the non-denominational spiritual wise woman, you know, that didn't exist. So I had no ambition for a career goal based on this, on this. And I think that that was a blessing on my life. Mm. I, I just was so excited when, after I'd been studying the course for five years, I had moved to Los Angeles and there's a place still, of course, uh, in L.A., called the Philosophical Research Society. And I was working there in their book publishing department, and they have these lecture series. And the woman who was the president at the time of the, of, of the P, uh, PRS asked me if I'd like to start giving lectures on Saturday mornings based on A Course in Miracles. And I've been studying the course for five years. I was just so excited to have the opportunity to do it. And I had no concept that it would be more than just this thing I did because I loved it. The furthest thing in my mind was that it could ever be a full-time career because nobody had a full-time career doing anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But not too long after that, the AIDS crisis blew up and in a very real sense, gay men in Los Angeles gave me what would be a career because at that time when AIDS burst onto the scene, it took a while before Western medicine, not that they weren't trying, don't get me wrong, but they kept playing their cards and coming up empty for quite a long time. Fortunately, they've come up with a lot now. But those times were very desperate times, as I'm sure you remember. Absolutely. And then also the traditional, um, more organized religious institutions were quiet for a long time. Uh, everybody, I guess, working out their own homophobic issues, whatever. So at that time, there was this then young woman um, talking over a corner Los Feliz in L.A. who was talking about a God who loved you no matter what and who worked miracles. And so all of a sudden, my little talks began attracting more and more people, and it went from there. My wife, Lori Sue, saw you speak in Santa Monica many years ago when you were doing Sunday lectures. It was before your first book, and she came away with a dozen cassette tape lectures to listen to back home here in New York. Did you ever imagine, you sort of alluded to this, but did you ever imagine you would become a world leader in consciousness and spirituality? And was that ever your goal? Well, like I said, that niche didn't exist. You could be a clergy you know, my mother kept saying, your father and I have discussed it. We will send you to rabbinical school. You know, I just didn't quite see that, mommy. I didn't, I didn't see myself becoming clergy. And I didn't, the other path you could take, you could be an academic. You could be a professor in, in comparative religion, let's say. And I didn't see that for myself either. So there was nothing to imagine. There was nothing to be ambitious for. There was no reason to think it would be anything other than sharing from my heart about these books that so excited me. That was 35 years ago, 
the essence of it all, and it is the essence of it all even today. And we are both grateful to you because we both in our later years followed an interfaith path and were ordained here in New York. And we're able to bring this message, this beautiful message to so many people who require that and needed to hear it. Well, today we're all doing this, right? I mean, it's a, it's a symphony and it needs to be a symphony. So many people who feel called, as do you, as does your wife, as do I, to share um, our song, which is the universal spiritual truths, whether through the teachings of the Course in Miracles or any other path, that reminds us, particularly at a time like this when humanity has so swerved away from a heart-centered consciousness, it is a calling to all of us, come back home to the truth of who you are, and that will automatically repair the world. And until we do that, uh, the world will continue to do what it's doing now, which is in many ways spinning out of control, realms of chaos, dimensions of chaos that are at this point threatening the survival of the human race. My guest is Marianne Williamson. We'll be talking about her new book, A Politics of Love, and her exploration of a run for presidency of the United States after these words on the OM Times Radio Network. Ohm Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Ohm Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. Tune in to The Practical Intuitive, Mind, Body, Spirit for the Real World with me, host Robin Fritz, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern. I'll cover personal and business intuition, animal communication, mediumship, space clearing, past life regression, shamanic insights, energy healing, soul choice, and more, all to help you Tap your own intuitive and healing skills. No ifs, ands, or buts. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as a relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Back on Destination Unlimited, my guest this evening, the very special Marianne Williamson. Marianne, one of your famous quotes from your 1992 New York Times perennial bestseller, Return to Love, we alluded to it in the introduction. Let me read this in its entirety for our listeners. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No to be. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. In these difficult times, do you think that this sentiment seems to be especially important to our world and that people must truly rise up beyond fear and seek change? That paragraph is simply a paragraph out of many in my book, A Return to Love, as you said, whose subtitle is, the subtitle of which is, Reflections on the Principles of A Course in Miracles. So that principle that it is our light that uh, frightens us more than our darkness does because the ego mind, which is how we filter most of our experience, is afraid of the light because in the presence of the light, there is no ego. The ego is simply the belief that we are a small, separated self. So that which the spirit rejoices in terrifies the ego. Now, on one hand, I understand people's excitement about that paragraph. I can't take personal credit for the philosophical essence of it, because all I'm doing there, as I do throughout the book, is reflecting on the principles of the Course. But I will say this, as happy as I am that that paragraph has meant so much to so many people, it's important, I think, that we remember there's no one principle that is going to at the deepest sense, liberate us from a fearful existence. Spirituality is a set of principles. So uh, while I'm very glad that the, that the uh, paragraph has meant a lot to people, I think that we all are aware that there is a deeper search involved. For instance, while it's important to remember those points, that it is our light and our darkness that frightens us, that there's nothing enlightened about shrinking, that God placed his power and glory in all of us, that all of us are meant to extend it into the world, that as we do that, it liberates other people to do the same. It is equally important to remember that our function on this planet is to forgive. 
It's equally important to remember that our function on this planet is to love one another. It's equally important to remember that our function on this planet is to give our hands and our feet, our arms and our legs, our minds and our hearts to God to use as a conduit or as a channel for the love that heals all things. So I I think that more and more people are realizing that there is no quick fix, including one paragraph that makes everything okay. The spiritual search is a deep, deep transformational process. And I think we set ourselves up for disappointment if we think that anybody, even if it's mine, and I'm honored that mine means something to someone, but we set ourselves up for failure if we think there's any one paragraph that's going to make it all okay. You are so congruent in your lectures, your writing, and your speaking. No one would think that you might ever doubt yourself or could ever doubt yourself. But let me ask you, in the exploration of this possible presidential run, does it require confidence and courage, or is it about following a call to action that is bigger than the person? Well, first of all, I I think that anybody who listens to my talks or reads my books is very aware that I would have moments of doubt like anyone else would. Um, the, the beauty of the course is its honesty about what it takes on a daily basis for all of us to actually apply the principles that repudiate the thinking of the world. Now, when you ask me, is it competency? What did you say? Competency Confidence and, and courage. Okay. Or yes. okay. a call to an action that's bigger than the person. The answer to that is absolutely and. Both. There is no or, there is and. God cannot use us to do that which is not already within us. So, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a 66-year-old woman. I've had a uh, long and varied career. Confidence and courage, yes. But I think that confidence first of all, is based in large part upon the level of my experience, uh, the amount of my, you know, the length of my lifetime so far. And as far as courage is concerned, there, there are two things that I think are an issue for me. First of all, somebody told me when I turned 50 that 50 is the age past which you don't care what anybody thinks anymore. And I found that to be oddly true. You're just not as concerned about other people's opinions after 50. But something else additional happens, I found, at 60. And that's not only do you not care so much what people think about what you say, you have to say it. You, you, you know, there's a line in the Gospel of Thomas where Jesus says, that which is within you, if you bring it forth, will, will heal you. If you keep it within, will destroy you. So I'm at that age, I'm at that fierce female age, I'm at that crone age. You know, some of my girlfriends say, don't use that word, I like it, the cool crone, the, the, the fierceness that comes with a certain kind of age. I suppose that there's a level of courage, but it doesn't feel courageous, it just feels like you are spreading your wings at last. Now also, I'm very aware as an American woman, that what we are able to do is so far beyond what millions of women in this world are able to do in terms of legal and social permission. I can say things, and, and I do with this campaign, 
this exploratory, completely expect humiliation, mockery, lies, mean-spiritedness, um, embarrassment, people throwing tomatoes at you. But what is that compared to what some women in this world would go through if they even walked out of their house dressed the way they really wanted to dress or without the presence of a, of a male relative? So for an American woman, it seems to me there's something uh, that I could never go there thinking, oh, it takes so much courage. Not only are there women who could suffer the worst kinds of punishment, even unto death, for doing things that American women can just do because we want to, or any Western woman could do just because we want to. But in addition to that, they do. They do. So when you look at what some women in the world have the courage to do, I, I, I think it would be presumptuous and unattractive for me to talk about this move in terms of courage. Chutzpah, yeah. But real courage, I think we are underestimating what that word should mean. I think that's an example, not just for women in third world nations and other places where women are subjugated and put down and horribly treated for just wanting to live as a woman. Uh, I think that applies to citizens of many countries, male and female. Yes, and I think you've made a very valuable and important point that we all have to understand uh, yeah. as Americans because we have so many freedoms that we take for granted. There are countries to this day where if they know that you're a gay person, they throw you off the top of a building. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are, like you said, it's not just women, it's gay people, it's men who, who express political opinions, it's people who want to live sexually the way they wish. I mean, sometimes Americans act, I don't know if they're thinking or not thinking or just acting profoundly naive about the blessings and the freedoms that we do have in this country, despite the fact that we obviously have many challenges as well. Absolutely. You've been contributing to the transformation of individuals in our world for many years. You have millions and millions of followers who respect you and your work. In terms of your exploration of the candidacy, how do you think this will translate? I don't know. But I know that when I started my career, I never from the beginning, nor even today, ask myself what other people are going to think if I say what I believe. You know, I had an interesting experience many years ago. A man is actually quite famous in certain circles, so I won't say who he is. He came up to me one Saturday morning, and he said, I want to congr after a lecture in Hollywood. Back, this would have been probably in the late, yeah, I know when it was. It was in the late 80s. And he said, I want to congratulate you. And I said, why? He said, I came to hear you three years ago. And I thought you were crazy. I thought you were just crazy lady out of your mind. He said, but after that, about a year later, my boyfriend, he said his boyfriend, I went to rehab. And I had to go be with him and go through some sessions. And because of that, he said, I went through my own transformation. I came back to hear you today. And I understand what you're saying. And I'm so impressed, he said, that you didn't change your language for people like me. And I always remembered that. He was saying the fact that I just said what I believed without worrying about the people pleasing that has become so endemic in our society. I 
I think it is a corruption. And I believe that enough people, and this is why I started an exploratory campaign, to see do people believe that there's a contribution to be made here. All I know, all I know is that I'm convicted about something in my heart. That is my firm belief that we are going in such a wrong direction in the organization of American society. We are moving so away from the democratic values and the deeply human values that make both our country and our existence on this planet good and true and beautiful as to pose an existential threat to our democracy and possibly to our planet. So all I know is that this will not go unanswered by me. Now, if other people agree with that, they'll vote for me. That, that's, that's what a democracy is. But I believe in my heart, and I would, don't feel I would feel so impelled to do this, so called to do this, if it were not for the fact that I believe is borne out by, as you said, so many people in the health and wellness community, psychotherapeutic community, recovery community, um, religious communities, women, millennials. There are so many people who I know agree with me that the mindset which ruled the 20th century, particularly the social, economic, and political mindset, which dominated the late 20th century, is not only inadequate to what we need in order to address the challenges of the 21st century, but is a mindset that's actually perilous because it is not based on a bottom line of love or humanitarian values. It is based on a bottom line of profit maximization for huge multinational corporations, which is a theft from future generations. It is a theft from the disadvantaged in our country and in our world. It is a passive and sometimes active assault on democratic principle. It's certainly not the way to create peace on the planet 25, 50 years from now. And it's not the way to in any way protect the environment. It is the assault on the environment. I, if my, my father is not alive, but if he were here, I feel he would say, these things must not go unanswered. And I'm not going to be one of those people who's just whining or angry or just screaming at the TV. I, I feel that where some have harnessed fear, it is time to harness our decency, our dignity, our love, and our commitment to democracy and to the future of our planet and to future generations. We need to harness that for political purposes. And we need to do it now, and I'll say amen. My guest is Marianne Williamson. Marianne, please tell our listeners where they can find out more about your attempted <laughs> candidacy, what you're looking to do, and also your books and your work. Thank you. If someone goes to MarianneForAmerica.com, you can sign up on the uh, mailing list for MarianneForAmerica.com uh, for exploratory campaign and um, contribute your energy, contribute dollars, whatever you feel moved to do. And for my regular work, all of my work in the world, someone can go to Marianne.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And find out more. And we'll be back with more of Marianne Williamson after these words on the Own Times Radio Network. Humanity Healing International is a small nonprofit with a big dream. Since 2007, HHI has been working tirelessly to bring help to communities with little or no hope. Our projects are not broad mandates, nor are they overnight solutions, but they bring the reassurance that no one is alone and that someone cares. To learn more, please visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Back on Destination Unlimited, and my guest is Marianne Williamson. Marianne, let me ask you this. You've recently pointed out that the Constitution doesn't specify that a president needs to be a former governor or senator or a politician of any kind. What are the qualifications you think are most important? James Madison wrote the Constitution. He went to Princeton. He studied Hebrew and philosophy. He was not a lawyer. And I think it's important for us to remember that. In terms of the qualifications for the presidency, in the Constitution it says that the president has to be 35 years old, has to have lived here for 14 years, and has to have been born here. Very significant is what they did not say. If they had wanted to, they would have said the president has to have been a lawyer, had to be a governor, had to be a senator, had to be a congressperson. They didn't because they were leaving it to every generation to decide for itself. The qualifications that 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 generation feels is most needed in order to adequately address the challenges of their time. I feel that those whose expertise is in politics as we know it. While I respect that, to me, that's like saying we should allow the car mechanic to drive the car. We might have the best mechanics in the world, but we we drove into a ditch here. Expert qualified politicians took us into Vietnam. Expert qualified politicians took us into Iraq. Expert qualified politicians created the greatest wealth gap in, in, uh, in wealth since 1929. These expert uh, qualified politicians have taken us to a place where our environment itself is imperiled. 
So there is another kind of qualification that I think is just as important. What people call the qualified politician is someone who might know how Washington works. And I respect that. But what we need in a president now is someone who understands how we work. The political establishment on both the left and the right were gobsmacked by Donald Trump because they had no clue what was happening beneath the waterline. So then later, after all this happened, they're both going, wow, people are angry out there. Yeah, guys, they're angry. Maybe it's because they've been shafted for the last few decades. Maybe that's because you guys had become so beholden to multinational corporate forces that basically your entire system is one of legalized bribery where fossil fuel companies and chemical companies and 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 military industrial complex and health insurance companies and banks we do more the, we we are no longer functioning as a democracy here we're functioning as an oligarchy or corporatocracy we're no longer functioning in in lincoln's words as a government of the people by the people for the people we're functioning as a government of a few of the corporations by a few of the corporations for a few of the corporations now one major political party is has bought you know they're just bought and sold by this corporate matrix the other one wrings its hands and says, we understand your pain and does what it can to address the pain that's on the periphery. But that party no longer addresses the fundamental, except in some cases, such as the Bernie Sanders, etc. It is not currently, the current Democratic Party is not addressing those fundamental issues that make all that suffering inevitable. That's the Democratic Party that you and I grew up with when you were talking about the times that we grew up, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, those figures who did represent within the political sphere the larger philosophical dimensions. Even looking at the Declaration of Independence, the idea that all men are created equal, that's the basis of all of this. That's not a political principle or a legal principle. That's a philosophical moral principle. That all men are created by God, that God gave all men the unalienable rights to life and to liberty and to the pursuit of happiness, and that governments are instituted among men to secure those rights. Well, I'm sorry, our political establishment, in my mind, all these qualified politicians, many of whom, as people I respect, has a lot to answer for, because if our government is here to secure the rights for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, tell me whether those millions of American children who go to school every day at schools that do not even have functioning toilets... Millions of American children who are full citizens in this country who go to school every day with in classrooms where they're not the minimum school supplies necessary to adequately teach these children in schools where if they then do not know how to read by the age of eight, the chances of their graduating from high school are radically diminished. Chances of incarceration are radically increased. I'll tell you why. The reason that political establishment has not addressed the needs of these equal citizens is because, number one, they don't vote. And number two, because children do not work, they don't have financial leverage. And if you don't have financial leverage in Washington today, you're at the bottom of the pile. So the American child today I feel that the U.S. government is basically exercising passive child abuse, certainly child active, child neglect. So this idea that we're all supposed to be so impressed by this group of experts, while there are some profound political experts in this country, don't get me wrong, 
The idea that we're just supposed to go along, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you something else, Victor, for anybody who lis- who's listening who does not wish to see President Trump reelected. No traditional political, no traditional politician is going to defeat the president. And I'll tell you why. Because what Trump represents is neither traditional nor political. The traditional political mindset thinks it's so sophisticated. And let me tell you something. It's not sophisticated. It's naive. It doesn't get what's going on here at the deepest level. And if they had known what was really going on beneath the surface and these psychological and emotional dimensions that emerge from the kind of chronic economic despair that so many Americans have been living, millions of Americans have been living with for years. They don't. They, they, where's the skill set there? I don't think the issue is that they have qualifications I don't have. I think the issue is that I have some qualifications that perhaps they don't have. This is a new century, and little small random acts of kindness is not enough. We need we need huge strategized acts of courage and compassion that do not just address peripheral issues such as quote unquote more funding for education. We need to do more than more funding for education. We need to claim the realization that the chronic trauma of millions of American children is a humanitarian crisis. We need to claim the realization that spending $718 billion a year on our military while reducing our funding for genuine peace-building measures is actually an imperilment, a threat to the notion of peace on this planet in 50 years. So we, we need more than just some peripheral changes. And if that's all we're going to address this campaign with, then even if you defeat the president, it's important that we remember the forces behind this president, they don't care if you get rid of him because they have so many more standing in line behind him. So if all you do is defeat him electorally, they'll be back in 2022. They'll be back in 2024. We have to do more than just defeat that electorally because what's being represented there cannot be defeated. It has to be overridden. They're putting out dog whistles. We have to put out angel voices. We have to begin a conversation of a genuine political renaissance in this country that can only emerge from people falling in love again with what democracy means, with the radicalism of this, with our personal connection, each and every one of us. This, this Trump phenomenon was an opportunistic infection that could not have happened if our immune system had not been weak. And that immune system weakening was the fact that too many people were too cool to care, too distracted, too not into politics. Some people even using a very spurious notion of spirituality as a justification for political just, uh, um, uh, disengagement. Those days have got to end. We, 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 need, we need something which is much bigger than electing one person president. We need a renaissance of political sensibility, a realization that democracy is not, is not something you can take for granted any more than you can take your marriage for granted, take your body for granted. You have to tend to it. So we need an awakening that will reconnect all of us with our personal sense, not only that democracy gives us rights, but that it gives us responsibilities. And I tell you, Victor, I've had a 35-year career in talking about not only principles that transform our lives, but helping us to, to apply those principles. And I feel I can do that, helping the American people reconnect to what citizenship means, how we, after all, as citizens, we are we the people. They work for us. We don't work for them. So I believe that I can contribute something here. 
uh, to the initiation of that kind of political renaissance in the United States. And it's about the consciousness of each and every one of us to take ownership and stewardship of each other, of our world, of, of everything, because I think that's where we've gone wrong. Of our government, too. That means your local government. You know, I was saying to somebody the other day, I want, I want to see a time when women say to their husbands and lovers, hey, baby, want to go with me to the city council meeting? <laughs> <laughs> That's the hot date on Thursday night. My guest is Marianne Williamson. We'll be back with more of Marianne and her exploration and her new book after these words on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose, to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free, ascendinghearts.com. Change and growth are part of natural life and also part of your spiritual life. Everyone needs support and guidance, especially during life passages. Upgrade yourself with the Ohm Times Experts program. With Ohm Times Experts, you have access to the best intuitive coaches, spiritual teachers, counselors, astrologists, and oracles. Our team was carefully selected so you can trust. Find out more at experts.ohmtimes.com. You've accidentally cut your daughter's bangs unevenly. Do you A, line things up a centimeter from her hairline? Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. No, 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 no. Sweatbands are so hot right now. Everyone's wearing them. Like that basketball player and that other basketball player. B, get spiritual. Mom, where did all the mirrors go? A reflection could never capture our true selves. Huh? Beauty is within... Um. C. Look on the bright side. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or D. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have Ta-da! to. Ta-da! Twinsies. <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information, contact You Gotta Believe at YouGottaBelieve.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Back on Destination Unlimited with my very special guest, Marianne Williamson. Marianne, with the recent passing of our 41st president, we heard a lot. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply whether we agreed with his politics or not, about his selflessness and deep caring for people. Do you have a presidential role model? Well, I think Franklin Roosevelt was obviously um, an amazing president. Abraham Lincoln, what what do you even say about such a one as he? Uh, You look at the founders, and you certainly had a genius cluster there, although no one is ignoring, uh, you know, slavery and in fact you look at someone like thomas jefferson who on one hand gave us the enlightened principles on which we purport to stand and on the other hand himself owned slaves but that is the the cultural dna of the united states we were born on one hand on these profound principles the most enlightened principles that had ever infused the founding documents of any country and at the same time 41 signers of the Declaration of Independence were themselves slave owners. So that dichotomy has always been with us. And in the presidents such as they, uh, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, obviously that dichotomy was present. Other than that, when you look at the the likes of a Thomas Jefferson, I mean, uh, the likes of an Abraham Lincoln, you look at someone like a uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, those are the people that I look to and think how fortunate we would be if someone of that level of conviction and commitment to democratic principles, the courage to actually apply those principles despite an impudiation of the forces that worked against that and truly did move our country forward. If I ever had the blessing or honor of being United, president of the United States, Yeah, Lincoln and Roosevelt would be my role models. The current president ran on the platform of draining the swamp. Unfortunately, what he didn't say was that as the swamp was being drained, the slurry and sludge would be dumped on the rest of us. What do you think you can do in terms of translating your message for the base (laughs) that the current president serves? Well, I don't think, and I don't think any of us think that the issue is just that when he drained the swamp, there was sludge. He filled the swamp with, I'm sorry, I mean, with all due respect, they're more alligators than they're now. Um, when, when you take, make as the director of the Environmental Protection Agency, rather than someone who is a world-class environment, environmentalist, you make as the head of your, um, your environmental uh, protection agency someone who is an ex-lobbyist for the fossil fuel industry. That's the swamp. That is that's the big that's that's the alligator here, and I think the more we know about what's going on uh, with the Robert Mueller investigation, et cetera, uh, there are probably more alligators in that um, more swampland in Washington D.C. today than at any time in our history. In terms of what I would seek to do, uh, whereas he has harnessed fear for political purposes, we need to harness dignity and decency for political purposes. You know, if somebody said to me today, what a trickster God, 
there is uh, this, this this presidency has caused uh, a political and a spiritual awakening in this country. You know, you have there's nothing like seeing someone behave in an indecent way to make you really think that decency matters. Someone behaves in an undignified way and you realize, wow, dignity really matters. You see someone acting in a dishonorable way and it makes you realize, wow, honor really matters. And I think we needed that wake up call, apparently, because on some level, I suppose we brought it on. So I think that we we need to do a chiropractic adjustment of American democracy. We need to go back to our first principles that all men are created equal, that all men have been given by God inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That this is to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We need to realize if that's true, then you protect your environment, which affects the health of the people. You don't just protect the corporate profits of the fossil fuel companies and the chemical companies. If that's true, you seek to wage peace as much as to prepare for war in case you need it. If that's true, you don't pass tax bills that give 83%, 83 cents of every dollar to the very, very richest among us. There are, there are domestic policies and international policies that are servants to a casino capitalism this is both domestically and internationally, that make a bottom line the short-term profits of casino capitalist forces. I think there should be a conscious capitalism that is rewarded. There should be a casino capitalism that is held accountable. I do not think this country should be run like a business. I think this country should be run like a family. And I believe that, once again, the forces of government should be at the service to the American people and to the earth on which we uh, uh, which we inhabit, not at the service of just these multinational corporate forces and their financial gain on a short-term basis. Do you think the wisdom of A Course in Miracles can change the course of this country? Well, The Course in Miracles is just one statement. There's no – The Course is one statement of universal spiritual themes. It's not for everyone, and we don't want to see any particular – form of spiritual wisdom as special. What's special are the principles at the heart of the Course in Miracles that are the same as the principles at the heart of Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and on down the line. And that is that we're on this earth to love each other. Yes, that will save the world. Uh, For humanity to remember why we are here and that we are brothers on this planet. So whether someone is awakened to those realizations through A Course in Miracles or any other, you know, the last thing we need is for, you know, a lot of evil has been perpetrated on this planet and continues to be perpetrated on this planet by someone thinking our way of finding God is the way. That's not cool, and it is not in line with the religious pluralism that is central to American liberty. So, no, I don't want to – I don't think The Course in Miracles is asking us to, to – Uh, to promote A Course in Miracles. You know, the Course is very much like AA that way. It's much more attraction rather than promotion. Mm, Absolutely. Um, I know you have a daughter. How does she feel about your political quest? You know, when I told my daughter I was thinking about this, she responded, you go, girl. (laughs) And I said to her, what would you do with my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Because I knew that that was not... um, that was probably not, and it isn't her idea of the best way for mommy to spend the next few years of mommy's life. But 
she reminded me of a conversation we had had that I had forgotten. And that was that apparently I had said to my daughter through tears one time when she asked me, what could I do for you, mommy? And I said, just promise me if I ever run for president, you won't be negative about it. And then she said, and I'm a woman of my word. So my daughter is being extremely supportive, extremely helpful. She's been to law school. She's much better at business than I am. And in a way, a campaign is a pop-up business, you know. So a lot of legalities, a lot of it's serious stuff. And my daughter is being, she's the best daughter any mother could hope for. That's wonderful. Please tell us about your soon-to-be-published book, A Politics of Love, Handbook for a New American Revolution. Please tell us about it. Well, in 1997, I published a book called Healing the Soul of America, talking about the intersection of spirituality and politics. And then that book this last year was just revised and updated because even though the principles I talked about there are still the same, unfortunately, um, the statistics are even worse. Because in that book, in 1997, I was talking about the corporatocracy, wealth inequality, mass incarceration. Many of the things that we're so stressed by today were already there, but we weren't addressing them. And, you know, as someone who is trained and disciplined to look at things on the level of cause, it's like you don't go to a doctor who says you have cancer and then the doctor says, but it's only stage one, so we're not going to worry about it. I knew in the 90s that these things were happening and that they needed to be addressed. And that's what I was writing about then. And many people were, but it was certainly not the mainstream conversation at that time. A politics of love takes us to where we are now. And it, it talks about how the revolution of consciousness that we most a revolution that we most need now is a revolution of consciousness, is a realization that unlike what we thought in the 20th century, where we thought it was just a mechanistic universe, and in order to change your life, all you do is tweak with tweak what's happening on the outside. Those of us who have to do with any kind of a more enlightened or spiritual approach to living, know that all change comes from within. We have to change from the inside out. You can't just tinker with things on the external plane. That's the old allopathic metal of, uh, model of healing, where people thought, well, I don't really need to take care of my body, exercise, nutrition. If I get sick, though, which almost then would inevitably occur, you just seek external allopathic means to suppress or eradicate symptoms. We now have an integrative approach. We know that sickness is the absence of health. Health is not the absence of sickness. So you have to cultivate health in your body. Well, we have to cultivate health in our society as well. We have to cultivate democracy and cultivate justice and cultivate brotherhood. You can't just not cultivate genuine democracy and then just hope that when violence emerges because of the despair that so many people are feeling, that you can just seek to eradicate the symptoms through enough bombs or enough prisons. So America has to heal the same way an individual does. That includes looking at your own character defects. When America looks at our character defects, there are serious issues of race here racial inequity in our criminal system, racial inequity in our economic system, in our political system. There are many ways in which we have not yet completed uh, the process of complete racial reconciliation. I don't want to minimize the efforts of our ancestors, but that 40 acres and a mule was promised and then never given. 
to a formerly enslaved population, although to some, interestingly enough, it was given, but in most cases taken back. So we still have to move forward. And just as Germany paid $89 billion in uh, reparations to Jewish organizations after World War II, I think the United States should pay $100 billion in a reparations plan to be handed over to an esteemed uh, council of African-American leaders over a 10-year period of time to be dispersed according to their own wishes um, to economic and educational uh, projects that would help level that playing field and help complete that period, that issue of racial reconciliation. Another area of the character defects uh, in this country has to do with a not yet reconciled relationship with Native Americans. Uh, we could start with giving the Black Hills of South Dakota back, which were promised in a treaty and then never given. We have to face the places where we as a nation have not lived up to who we say we are. That's the only way an individual can heal. We have to atone for our errors, and we have to make amends where amends are possible. And if you know what changes one heart, you know, you're the one who knows what would change a nation, because all that a a nation is, is a collection of individuals. And that's why I believe someone who has a sense of what changes people on the inside is an important part of the qualification for a presidency in the 21st century. Marianne, it is my fervent hope and prayer that you go forward with your exploration, find it in your heart to serve us and become our healer and uniter in chief. Thank you so much for joining us on Destination Unlimited. Please tell our listeners one more time how they can find out more about your work and your plans. Well, thank you. I'm honored by your words. Thank you so much for that. And people can find out more at MarianneForAmerica.com and also at Marianne.com. Marianne Williamson, thank you so much. And our, our love and our blessings and our prayers go with you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on Destination Unlimited. I'm Victor the Voice Furman. Have a wonderful week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.